I really think as we look into this text this morning, and you go ahead and go to Mark chapter 6, uh, I, I think it's, it's, there's a benefit that we're going to find as we lead into the Lord's Supper this morning. And a lot of people don't make that connection. But it says the song we just sang, our God is an awesome God. And he's more than a God that just simply feeds multitudes. That this is pointing to something that's bigger, that's greater than these, these physical feedings um, that we may think. Our text this morning is actually a comedy, but it's probably not the kind of comedy that you think about. Some of you remember the comedies of Lucille Ball or my generation, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, or you know the young people's generation, uh, like a Jimmy Fallon or whoever's funny around here these days. But, but when we look at a comedy as it is in literature, it, it, what it means is there's something that starts on a bad note and then it, it ends on a good note. And as we look at this text, we could say it literally, uh, literarily, it is a comedy in that sense. Now, there's something else about this narrative. There are these just hyperlinks that just jump off the pages. And we're not going to go into all of those. I would suggest to you, if you're really interested and you want to see these connecting dots, uh, go onto our website later on and, and listen to the Bible class. Because the Bible class really uh, gives you a better, a fuller understanding. We'll dive into a little bit of it, but not nearly um, what we did in class. But what we're going to focus in on is really one of the driving themes of, of Mark in his gospel, and that is discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does that look like? How do I enter into this mission with Jesus? And so we begin this morning in chapter 6, verse 31. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place. You'll notice this word used several times. A desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. This is the first part of the comedy. We talked about last week the disciples, right, right before this, they've come back after being sent by Jesus. They've been healing the sick, they've been casting out demons, they've been uh, spreading the good news, and ministry is exhausting. And Jesus knows that. And he plans this like little mini retreat with them. But the crowds won't leave them alone. You know? And, and, and Jesus, and this, I love this about Jesus, because he realizes we need this time. And so he, he puts them in a boat, and, and he, he starts taking off. But then the crowds, they just, they're running around the shore. They're trying to figure out where Jesus is going to land. And they actually get to the place they're going before the boat arrives. And it just kind of shows you what's happening here uh, a little bit. But what I want you to see here is that one thing is that it's important for disciples of Jesus, people who are servants of God, to take those times to be with Jesus. Because not only are we asked to, to do these things for Christ, but we're to do them with him. 
And that's why we are to live in these Gospels. We, we need to live in these Gospels and just sit with it. And just ask ourselves, what is it? What, is, what are we learning here about God? What, what am I learning about myself, about others? What, what is it I'm supposed to get out of this? What kind of things are there difficult? And we just sit with it. And we let it affect our thoughts. We let it affect our prayers. Let it overflow into our prayer lives as well. But we also know that's a lot easier said than done to say, I'm going to go off and be alone and be with Jesus. And, and it shows in this text as well because there's always interruptions, isn't there? Seems like when we're ready just to... And, and it seems like in those times, Jesus is like, okay, well, we got to keep going. So Jesus sees them and he's concerned. He says they're like sheep without a shepherd. The religious leaders of the day, they are not doing their jobs. And Jesus didn't really care about how big the temple complex was at that time. He didn't care how much money they had in the budget. He really didn't care how many people were showing up and, and offering some kind of prayer or sacrifices. What he was really concerned about with these leaders are the results. And when he looked at these crowds, he saw people who were hungry. They were physically and spiritually hungry. And there's all this religious red tape that's wrapped up in everything. But Jesus looks at this crowd, and it says that he has compassion on them. Now, that's the turning point of the comedy. Because of the compassion that Jesus has at this particular point. So, that's when things get fun. Verse 35. And just think about yourself as a disciple, as this is going on. So he says, and when he grew late, his disciples came to him and said... This is a desolate place. There's that word again. It means wilderness, desert, lonely place. And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> and, and, and they said to him, well, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Did... Did Israel's ancient movie scenes fly out at you? We talked, like I said, more about this in class. Let me just kind of paint a picture. They're in the wilderness, and there's a miraculous feeding. It's Israel. It's, it's the Exodus. It's, it's Moses. And so here it mentions three times this desolate place, right? And, and God is providing this manna. Jesus is the new and the greater Moses. This is the new and the greater Exodus that they had been waiting for, folks. 
And what's interesting is Jesus does something kind of off script. And instead of providing food just falling out of the heavens, or rather than saying to these stones, you know, let's, let's just make them into loaves of bread, when the disciples come to him and they say, listen, why don't we send them out so they can get, get food because they're all hungry after this long time of teaching. And Jesus, he interjects the disciples. You see this. And he says, well, we'll go out and buy them some food. And it's like, seriously? There's 5,000, not even counting women and children. And, and look, to their credit, you know, they, they added it up. They say, okay, it's going to cost at least 200 days of labor wages. That's what it's going to cost. And they knew they didn't have it. So Jesus said, well, then, then uh, well, what do you have that we can feed them? It's like, seriously? These tw- and, and look, folks, they, even if they had the money, they didn't have a Sam's or a Costco, right? They didn't have ATM machines. These guys, do you know how much food they would have had to carry into the wilderness? Just the 12 of them to feed this many people? And Jesus is saying some crazy stuff here. I mean, he's really saying some crazy stuff here. And, and look, they come to him and they say, okay, well, here's what we came up with. Five loaves of bread and two fish. And that's, of course, when things get interesting. The disciples complained about what they did not have. And Jesus is trying to show them what they do have. We ever do that? You know, we talk about helping others or being a part of what God is doing. We often think about all the things we don't have rather than really what we do have. And then just turning it over to Jesus to let him figure out the rest. Because we often see impossibilities where God sees possibilities. So Jesus has the multitude, and they sit into these sections, right? And he presides over this banquet. It's, it's, it's almost like this Jewish father, and he's, he's presiding over a, a family meal. The miraculous feeding foreshadows the messianic banquet that Isaiah had spoken about. It's powerful. In Isaiah 25, we read about this party that's going to end all parties. It's going to be on the mountain of the Lord. Wow. It celebrates the reversal of Israel's humiliation from their exile, from being conquered. And God is once again going to dwell with them visibly, as Isaiah said back in chapter 2. He's going to teach them, as he says in chapter 4. He's going to judge them based on chapter 2. And he is going to provide for them abundantly. And even death, even death will be destroyed forever. He's speaking about something that's coming. The feeding of the 5,000, it is a contrast of the banquet that had just occurred with Herod. Remember that last week. Remember Herod's banquet, right? Herod's banquet, it was, it was worldly. It was vile. It was filled with exotic dancers and, and you know, no doubt all this wine that would be passed. And, and he only invited the elite of Galilee. And, 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 and here, you know, at, it ended with John the baptizer being put to death. And here's Jesus 
He's in the wilderness and he's preparing a banquet. And in his banquet, he invites everyone to come, not just the elite. In his banquet, he has leftovers. In his banquet, we see life because he gives them the sustenance that they need that's going to continue life opposed to the death of Herod's banquet. We're supposed to see a contrast of the worldly kingdoms and the kingdom that Jesus is bringing. And everyone who came and everyone who ate of this banquet of Jesus, it says in the text there that they were satisfied. Do you know how hard it is to satisfy a multitude of Jews? <laughs> read, read the Exodus story. And it's a word that means that they ate until they were full. In Isaiah 55, he speaks of this banquet. Listen to this. This is the coming banquet. He says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. He's saying it's free. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? He says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself enriched food and so the banquet is this heavenly banquet and it, it's an invitation to those who are thirsty and to those who are hungry and he says the gates of heaven they've been opened wide and there is this great this great banquet feast that has been placed there the only thing that it lacks are for the guests to come and the gates are open it's for anyone who wants to come and as we keep reading, we find out more about this satisfying food. It's not the physical things like we think about. It's mercy. He is giving them the food of pardon. It's freely being made available because it's already been paid in full with the one who is coming. It's the Messiah who's coming. He's going to pay for this. And out of compassion, Jesus feeds the multitudes but what he was offering was so much more. In John's gospel, we find out the next day, this same crowd shows up. And, and they, they want Jesus to feed them again. And that's when Jesus told them that he is the bread of life. They missed it. They missed it. Some have tried to rationalize this miracle, and it's, it's just sad. We see this in our culture. And we're always hearing people, even people who proclaim to be, you know, religious experts, and they say, well, you know, did Jesus really? I mean, were these really miracles? One of the things that, that's been said out there is that Jesus had stashed a lot of food in this cave out in the wilderness and so he takes them out there and, and then he's going to feed them and he's going he's to go and he, he pulls out this food and they think it's a miraculous thing that's going on. That doesn't even make sense to the story. You know why? Because the crowds, it doesn't say they're amazed at all. And it makes you wonder if they even know what's happening. Because they're sitting in these sections, right? Of fifties and hundreds. And, and so Jesus brings them and, and he gives us food and he hands them to the disciples and they go and they take them to these sections 
and they give it out, and they come back to Jesus, and there's more food, and he fills them back up again, and he goes to another section, and, and they continue to do this. They keep going back, and there's still more. And this, this is what we're supposed to see, folks. Jesus is Moses, but he's greater. The good shepherd of the sheep. He provides for the spiritual and the physical needs of the sheep. We go back to this idea of Jesus involving the disciples, because this is important. Because, like I said, Jesus doesn't just go solo here. He doesn't just, you know, cause food to just fall out of the sky. And I think we're supposed to see here something about discipleship, and he's always trying to teach them and to train them. And I think one of the mistakes that we sometimes make is we want to shove the Bible down people's throats. But then we leave them in their whatever need it is in their life. The other aspect is we come over here and we just, we just give them, you know, all these things that they want or anything that they need and we never give them any kind of spiritual challenge whatsoever. And discipleship, it, it's not either or, it's actually both. We, we continue to help and meet the needs of other people and where they are physically in their lives or emotionally or mentally in their lives. And at the same time, we continue to, to, to share this good news about Jesus. We have been called into the world to share in Jesus' mission to the world. And sometimes when Jesus comes to us and he wants us to share and these people show up in our lives, these are the times that, you know what, we're exhausted. We're just like the disciples. We need a retreat. Or maybe we just don't have a whole lot to offer, but Jesus says to us, give them something. Jesus ministered to the crowd and he does it through the disciples. They distribute the food. Jesus gives them food. They take them to the sections. They pass them out. They go back, and there's more food. And they load up, and they go back to these sections, and they give them food. And then they go back, and there's just more food. They are the hands of Jesus in this miraculous working. There's something else going on here. In fact, if you're waiting on the Lord's Supper this morning, if you're serving, you can go ahead on back because we're getting close to that point. But there's something else that's going on here. As the people are sitting there in the groups, this is what we read in chapter 6, verse 41. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said, a blessing and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set them before the people folks this is this is the same language when we come to the Last Supper it's the same language there when Jesus says and they were eating and he took bread and he blessed it he broke it he gave it to them and he said take this is my body before Mark wrote this gospel folks these stories were being told and retold by the disciples for about 30 years. So this story about the, 
the feeding of the 5,000, this, this story would have been told over and over and over again. So when Mark sits down and he writes his gospel, he sees there is a connection with, with the Last Supper of Jesus. And he puts these words there for us to see and to pick up on. The question is how? The Last Supper was about Jesus trying to get across to his disciples that he is the king. He is the messianic king. And that his kingdom is breaking in. It's been breaking in. And it's fixing to do something that it hasn't ever seen before. But it comes in a really strange way. It, it's going to come in, in, in what seems to be a very vile display because just like John the baptizer, Jesus will die a very awful death. One, he is handed up on a silver platter. The other, Jesus, is he's placed on a cross. But we see that this is God's divine plan. It's a paradox. It's a paradox of the justice and the love of God. That in justice, he has to judge sin. He has to. But out of love, Jesus at the cross, he takes, as the judge, he takes the punishment that has been brought forth on mankind and he allows his body and his blood to be broken so that it now could be given as a blessing. You see that? Somehow this awful thing that happens becomes something that gives life and it's satisfaction to the hungry. Jesus takes something that seems insignificant and negative and, and he breaks it and he prays and he blesses it and he gives it as a gift. We're getting ready to partake of the Lord's Supper. And this is a moment... This is a moment, folks, that we bring everything that we have to Jesus. All that we are, everything from the weak, everything of who we, everything within us. And we just, we lay it out there for Jesus in this moment. Do you realize this? And I'm here to tell you that what you are bringing to Jesus as he comes and enters in this time, it is not enough. It's not. It's like five loaves of bread and two fish to feed 5,000 plus people. But Jesus takes what it is that we bring and he breaks it and he prays it, he blesses it, and then he gives it back to us as a gift. And in that moment, in this moment that we have in communion, it is a time that we are filled and we are satisfied if we come to Jesus this, this very moment and we just put it all out there for him and as to who he is, folks. And he fills us. And then God expects us to take what he has now given back to us in this time. And we go out here and we share that with others until we don't have anything else left. And then we come back to Jesus and we realize there's more. 
And we, we just continue to take, and, and Jesus continues to give and bless us. And we go back, and we, we bless other people, and we take, and we share what, what God has given to us. And we go back, and when we have no more left, and there's more. You see this. There's an abundance of what's happening. This supper is not intended to be an individual act. It is meant to to be shared. When Mark read the story of Jesus and the Last Supper, he saw the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And it shows us what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We love God and we bring to Him all that we have. And we love others. We love him out of the blessings he gifts back to us. And so we come today to share the bread and the, lo- and the cup. So I want to ask you to pray with me now as we get ready to break this bread And as we prepare to bring this all to Jesus and allow him to be here and satisfy us and to fill us with himself. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this day. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the great feast that he has prepared for us. Father, please, Father, we just pray that we are filled up satisfy us this day as we think on you and what you have done for us in this ultimate act of of both justice and love and father we just pray this in the name of your son jesus amen